0: Maya Angelou is one of the first writers that I read that was so poetic and so powerful.
1: I think most writers want to write a dog book,
2: except cat people who, you know, have no soul. And I'm particularly happy that I got to do sort of half imitations of certain celebrities. You could think, oh, yeah, that guy is sort of doing a good Richard Burton. Welcome to This is the Author. Where authors talk about narrating their audiobooks.
0: In this episode, meet actress Elisa Donovan, columnist and writing teacher Rick Bragg, and writer, director, and producer Nick Davis. Step into the studio and hear Elisa Donovan on how dreams can lead us out of despair, Rick Bragg on how his life was transformed by a poorly behaved stray dog, and Nick Davis on writing a dual biography of the most famous brothers from Hollywood's golden age, who happened to be his grandfather and great-uncle. Plus, insights fresh from the recording booth. Enjoy. Hi, this is Elisa Donovan, author of Wake Me When You Leave. I wrote this book because I feel as though there's no guidebook, there's no information of how to really function through this kind of grief. And it feels incredibly isolating when you're going through it. And yet, it's something that we all will experience at one time or another. I feel as though culturally, we're very uncomfortable with discomfort. I think that we're just afraid to go through bad things. We're conditioned to believe that We want everything to be shiny and happy and pretty and easy and quick, and that's, for one thing, not really life, and also it's very one-note, and my experience of going through all of these challenges really showed me that they've enhanced my life, and I think if we can become more willing to incorporate all of these aspects of what it is to be human— We can have a fuller life. I also want people to understand that when our loved ones die, they don't really ever leave us, that we can remedy things even after someone has passed. And it's a very hopeful book to me. So I hope that people feel great comfort and a sense of peace after hearing it. If I had to describe what it was like to record my audiobook in one word, it would be surreal, elating, <laughs> challenging, and so joyful. I feel like it has been an absolute joy for me and really thrilling. You know, writing is such a deep internal process Speaking the words out loud is this very brave but very literal kind of statement of things. And I feel like it's been just an incredibly healing part of this journey for me. And also, I'm a performer, so I love to embody things and say them out loud. So it's been perhaps one of my most favorite parts of this entire journey of writing this book. I realized I had trouble pronouncing several things. One, lethargy. I think I was saying letharge. Now I can't even say it again. What is it? (laughs) Lethargy. (laughs) Right, whoops. I am just so excited for listeners to hear the whole thing, really. I'm proud that I was able to put enough humor in there, and it feels earned, the humor, so that also the darker, more challenging parts feel earned. So I feel that that's something that I was able to succeed at. There's that full experience, and you get to release and laugh and also perhaps cry a little bit. If I wasn't going to record my own audiobook... I would cast Maya Angelou because she is one of my heroes and one of the first writers that I read that spoke in a way that was so poetic and so powerful. And, I mean, her voice is just so powerful. I would love to hear her read this book. I love listening to audiobooks when I'm driving on long trips. That's the main place I listen to them, and sometimes on airplanes. I listen to all of David Sedaris's books. Once I was driving on The Five on that long trip between San Francisco and L.A., and I was listening to one of his books, and I almost Drove off the road, I was laughing so hard that I honestly could not catch my breath. He has this incredible way of making you laugh and making you cry. And it's so smart and so poignant. I hope I got to channel him a little bit in this. And now listen to a clip from my audiobook. I'm scared, Dad, I said as the storm escalated and bellowed around us. There's nothing to be scared of, kiddo, he replied, his words like a magic salve abating my fears. I was seven years old and the Yankees had just won. It was a hot summer night and we exited the stadium surrounded by the camaraderie of thousands of victorious New Yorkers. We piled in the car to go home, me sandwiched in between my brother and sister in the back. I leaned over the front seat between mom and dad and looked out the windshield, exhilarated by the throngs of people on the streets at 10 o'clock at night.
1: Hi, this is Rick Bragg, author of The Speckled Beauty. Well, I think most writers want to write a dog book, except cat people who, you know, have no soul, but I think most writers have always wanted to write a book about a good dog, you know, and a good dog just had to come along. In my case, I found a beautiful but ragged Australian Shepherd starving to death in the woods up behind our house, and very quickly, I realized that this dog was what I'd been waiting for. If I had to describe what it was like to record my audiobook in just one word, that word would be gratifying. There are some stories that need to be told in the voice of the person who lived it, and I think nonfiction especially, but a book that's about living and dying and loss and endurance and joy. I wouldn't have wanted anybody else to read it. I know there are people that probably have a much better better voice than me, but, but I wouldn't have wanted anybody else to do it. I wouldn't have wanted to heard it coming from any other voice but mine. I had trouble pronouncing something on every page, but in particular at the end of the book where he is undergoing a serious surgery on his ACL, the word femoris or femoris, I think it was femoris. Well, I still don't know. But I had trouble with it anyway, but I blundered through. Yeah, I don't have those words in my wheelhouse. I am proud of what I was able to do in using the story of the dog to bring the landscape and the time and the people to life one more time. I've written a lot about my people, but the dog was a beautiful vehicle to write about the people that I love more than anybody on the planet. I could not have written a story about a dead dog, not as the focus of this. I, I don't think I could stand it. My dog is very much alive right now, He is standing outside the kitchen door, I am certain, begging for biscuits right now. Writing about the dog was easy. Writing about the dog was a lovely experience. But the people around him was harder. But I was proud I was able to bring that landscape to life. And I'm excited that listeners will read a story about a dog that had some magic in him. You know, I say over and over again, it was just a dog being a dog and that there was no magic and I don't believe in magic and I don't believe in in a lot of things. But in the very end of that book, I think the reader can tell that, no, this was a magic dog. If I was in going to record my audio book, I would cast... Shelby Foote. Of course, he's dead now, so that would be problematic. But Shelby Foote can make anything sound dignified. And I think he could even make my raggedy dog seem dignified. The last audiobook that I listened to was one that's been in my library and on my shelf for decades. I listened to Lonesome Dove by Larry McMurtry. I've read that book, I don't know, a dozen times now, and I've listened to that audiobook just once, and I love everything about it. My favorite place to listen to audiobooks is in a good leather chair in my little office in Fairhope, Alabama. I love listening to them when my work is done and... I just have time, you know, that precious commodity, to put my feet up and and I also do it in the car. I do a lot of driving and an audiobook can get you through a long trip. And now, listen to a clip from my audiobook. The cat in the waiting room looked us over, suspicious and superior. That's the way a cat will do you. I sat with my dog and worried. That morning, he had a bad, shaking cough and choked when he tried to breathe. I heaved him, kicking, protesting into the back seat of my pickup and rushed him to the vet. I thought he had just swallowed something unspeakable, and with this dog, that could have been anything from a live toad to a welding glove.
2: Hi, this is Nick Davis, author of Competing with Idiots, Herman and Joe Mankiewicz, A Dual Portrait. I wrote my book for so many reasons that I know about and so many more that I probably don't. I grew up with this very cartoon-like idea of who my grandfather and my great-uncle were. At some point in my young adulthood, I faced the fact that my conception of them was really wrong and that Herman wasn't a cartoon drunk, and Joe wasn't a cartoon villain. And I wanted to find out who they really were. So I went on a journey that has taken me some decades before I've been able to share the results of that journey with the world. And that's what this book is. If I had to describe what it was like to record my audiobook in one word, that word would be transplendent. I choose that word, transplendent, because it's a made-up word from one of my favorite movies, Annie Hall, that has nothing to do with this book. But I don't think there's an English word that captures how surreal, transcendent, fun, glorious, mind-blowing, and just incredible it is to have labored so long on a book and then get the chance to actually read it to listeners It's such an honor and also so fun. And then because my book is a portrait of these two men who I didn't know all that well, but whose genes are mine, I got the chance to inhabit them and inhabit their life stories in a way that just the writing process doesn't force you to do, but reading it really does. And somehow reliving certain moments in their lives through other relatives, including my late mom, was just incredible. There really are no good words for it other than transplendent. I realized I had trouble pronouncing a lot of words. (laughs) I don't know a lot of foreign languages, and there was more French and German in here than I thought. Also, even just names that I got wrong until... The great director, Richard Brewer, pointed my mistakes out to me. But for the most part, I did okay on certain words, and I made some decisions early on about things like often as opposed to often that we're just going to go with because I don't like often. Nothing wrong with people who do like often, but I just can't say it. I'm excited that listeners will get to hear my reading of it. I feel like I understand this book as well as anybody else could. And I'm just so delighted that I got to read it and particularly happy that I got to do sort of half imitations of certain celebrities. And if you like the half imitation, you could think, oh, yeah, that guy is sort of doing a good Richard Burton. And if you don't, you can think, well, he's not a professional imitator. He's just sort of hinting towards Richard Burton. So I'm hoping that the listeners will get a little bit of enjoyment out of that as well. If I wasn't going to record my audiobook, I would cast Ben or Josh Mankiewicz, who are professional voices, and my cousins, who probably could have done a better job of monitoring their breath intake as they read, because they do it for a living and probably could have channeled certain members of the family better than I could have. Neither of them was available, and in fact, they were asking for far too much money. The last audiobook that I listened to that I loved was Ramble Book by the British podcaster and comedian Adam Buxton, and it's great. He did an incredible job, and he's incredibly funny, and I don't have the book, but it certainly didn't feel like he was reading. He could really have been improvising the whole thing, for all I know. And the other one that I really loved recently was Keith Hernandez's. The ex-baseball player wrote a book called I'm Keith Hernandez. And it was from him that I learned how to do footnotes. Because he would be reading along, and then he would say, footnote, and he would, <laughs> his voice would go up in a really funny way. And I thought, ooh, if I ever got to do an audiobook, I would do it that way. I don't know that I did, but I liked the way he did that. Those are two recent ones that I loved. I love listening to audiobooks while I walk my dog. I take my dog to a dog run and just play with him in the mornings while I listen to audiobooks and while I listen to the Adam Buxton book. It's a terrific way to accept another voice into your head. I really think it gives you a new insight into another consciousness, which is what writing is supposed to be all about. And I think audiobooks do that more deeply than even reading can. And now, listen to a clip from my audiobook. It's only when you stop knowing everything that you can start to know anything at all. It was 1988. I was 23 years old and walking through Central Park with my dad. We were coming from the French consulate. It was a lovely spring day, and great-uncle Joe had suddenly turned into a mystery. All my life, Joe Mankiewicz had played a distant second fiddle. In no way could his work or life measure up to that of his big brother Herman, my maternal grandfather, the beloved legendary Hollywood figure who, while drinking himself into a memorable early grave, scattering brilliant one-liners like Chicken Feed for everyone to peck at, had also written some of the best screenplays in Hollywood's golden age, co-writing with Orson Welles what was quite clearly the greatest movie of all time, Citizen Kane. This is the Author is a production of Penguin Random House Audio.
1: Thank you for listening.
0: For more Behind the Mic content and audiobook recommendations, visit www.penguinrandomhouseaudio.com slash next listen.